0: This is Jeffrey Thomas, author of Punk Town, and you are listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey
1: everybody, Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. It is November the 19th, 2016.
0: The year is almost over. Thank God. <laughs> um, the home stretch, yeah. how many more people can die? Uh,
1: well, 2017 is an entirely new year. All right, so tonight we are talking uh, children of... Now, Steve has been saying just glacky. Glacky. But there there is an apostrophe, so it's like is it Glaaki? Yes, he's is Elvish.
0: He's a... <laughs> an Elvish old one.
1: <laughs> Sorry. And some and an itch. <laughs> this is a, an anthology, is a tribute to Ramsey Campbell's Great Old One, uh, edited by Brian Sammons and and I can never pronounce ben his Davis. name correctly with, I'm gonna say with Glenn. confidence. Glen Owen Barris, Barris. Um,
0: What's so hard about Barris?
1: I, I keep wanting you to put the accent. <laughs> I, I still I want to keep put the accent on the wrong syllable. I think.
0: Well, we'll we'll, we'll get to accents on the wrong syllable of the first
1: story after Ramsey's original. Oh, no, 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 no. I I asked and had that corrected for me. I should have I asked agree. for Glenn's. <laughs> Glenn. So, what we have here is, uh, as usual in the Microphones Madness style, we have read half of the anthology for this episode. We will read half for next week's episode. Um, yeah, I mean, you want to go with general impressions or do yeah, you just well, want to dive right into it? I' us
0: just dive right into it because it, it – Really, the the first story is Campbell's inhabitant of the lake. So, it's not if you pick this up, you don't have to have a working knowledge of the source material because
1: it's right there for you. It's right there for you. The story that started it all. Yes.
0: So the interesting thing, if you read interviews with Campbell or stuff that he's written, it is um. I won't say taken to task, but he had written a few stories in the Lovecraftian OVRA when he was a young man. Um, And Durlis, he was corresponding with August Durlis, and Durlis said, look, you've never been to New England. (laughs) You don't know New England. Mm -hmm. Why don't you write what you know? So he wrote Old England. Right, so he, he created his Campbell country mm-hmm. uh, the Severn River Valley in in a I guess it's a fictitious Birmingham or was it Liverpool Liverpool see the Birmingham or Liverpool you can correct me and uh, this is one of this is if not the first one of the first stories that um, uses that as its setting mm-hmm. So, uh, it's about a lake monster. Yeah, it's it's you know,
1: it is a lake monster. A, a lake monster who lives underwater in a dead city, who communicates through dreams. Right. Uh, you know, um, taking taking the big sea and 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 making him a little more personable. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think
0: what things like Dagon and the big C are global threats and those stories that have them in there, you get this sense of the world is fucked. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, is a little bit more, a lot more actually, scaled down to a local um, mm-hmm. manifestation. And that actually, for me, makes the horror of it more acute mm-hmm. because it, it's it's more personal. Right. Um, as opposed to this huge grand scale of things where you can get a little lost in that.
1: Right. And, and when writing about it, you can get, it gets really convoluted right. and whatnot right here. You know, you have your lake, you have your monster, you have your houses, yeah, there will and, be spoilers
0: for this story. The rest of them we're going to try and keep spoiler-free, but yeah. this story was published in 1964,
1: so we're going to try and...
0: We're well, you you, awesome. you got to have to know
1: it. the story a little yeah. bit to, to understand what's going on in the rest of the anthology.
0: That's true, especially early on, where you have a lot of the stories early on are more modern um, variations on the
1: on... The story, correct. Um, yeah, I mean this. Campbell's original, "The Inhabitant of the Lake." Overall, is is a very, you know, I really hate to use the word, but it is. It's very simple. Uh, it's very, it's almost kind of claustrophobic in a sense that there are so few characters and the action is really confined. Uh, there's a distance because there's a lot of uh, correspondence. between the characters rather than face-to-face interaction. Um, So you get a lot of the information, you're getting it uh, through letters. And even then, I mean, you you still get this feeling, this this guy is alone at this lake in the middle of nowhere.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, even when you first get into it, Mm -hmm. the lake and this surrounding area gives you a really dismal primal feel there's ferns it's brackish it's stagnant Mm. um it's it's surrounded by vegetation and and weird trees and it you you, when you're at that lake you feel very isolated and it's Mm. and you know there's only one road in and it curves back around into the lake and it's all set up very very um to creep you out, a and to isolate you in the mind.
1: And it does that for the characters as well. Right. Um, so Ramsey's main character in this story is is the friend of an artist. Cartwright. Yes is, oh no, Cartwright's the, that, Cartwright's the artist. Cartwright's the artist. And I think it's Alan
0: is his name.
1: I don't write right. characters in my notes, just impressions. Right. Okay. Alan,
0: yep. His name is Alan.
1: So, you have the beginning. Alan and Cartwright, the artist, go to visit this place because he's been offered a great deal on a house. By the lake.
0: right, and he wants to get. He, he's a he's a not only is an is he an artist, but he is an artist who specializes in dreary, eerie landscapes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he's. He has a certain morbidity about his uh, right. work. He's an up-and-coming um, guy, and he's what he's known for are these desolate, horrific landscapes. And he wants to get away from the city.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He can get a good deal on a house, as a matter of fact. Um, I took the price that that, that, that uh, house was being offered for, which was 500 pounds. Mm-hmm and I put it through a calculator to find out what would that mean to me, the 2016 American consumer. Right. And it is a, it's actually a pretty cheap house. It's um, $11,900 current U.S. value.
1: Wow, that's pretty cheap. And, and if you
0: want to mortgage that um, at a 1964 fixed rate, which was a lot higher than it is now, Um, it's the equivalent of $677 a month to mortgage that sucker.
1: Hmm.
0: Without a down payment.
1: I didn't figure in the down payment. So (laughs) So there you go. But we soon soon realized that it wasn't that great of a deal.
0: (laughs) No, actually, you know, that's not bad.
1: Except for the monster. Well, right, but you're not supposed to. Now, Now, you know, I... I'm saying this, you know, jokingly. It's not a great deal with a monster, but Cartwright wants this house. Yeah, he the wants a monster because because the rumor is that the house itself is haunted, and he wants to live in a haunted house because that he thinks that will inspire him to create these these paintings. Because the previous tenants left in a hurry because of bad dreams, bad dreams, and they left everything in the house. So you get a fully furnished house for the equivalent of eleven grand yes so Cartwright takes the deal Alan, not a fan of this place
0: now there's a number of houses there's six right. houses there's six houses in a row they're not dilapidated
1: because mm-hmm. the rest of them are trashed yes yes uh, it's it's an area of desperate need of renewal they're- Yes. But this one house, you know, Cartwright falls in love with it right away.
0: Well, that's what he wants.
1: It's what he wants. It's 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 the perfect house. And we all know how these stories work when a person moves into the perfect house. Oh yeah, they live happily ever after. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So the story keeps going and, and, and to, to, to make a, a short story kind of shorter, strange things start happening. Cartwright starts having nightmares, um, goes off to discover more of the history of the house, uh, discovers the, uh, the revelations of the right? Um, yeah, this a twelve volume set. A twelve volume set from Time Life Books,
0: handwritten because the published version is only nine volumes. Right, this is the unedited handwritten version, the originals, which is twelve volumes.
1: Correct. And you know, and this this factors in. This is one of the centerpieces. You have the location. You have the cult surrounding Glaaki, and their subsequent holy text. Right. And then you have the Critter himself.
0: Right now, the Critter is interesting because
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: the Critter attacks you on a, two fronts. The mm-hmm. first of the dreams, correct? And you find out, a la um, the Rose Garden, that the that Cartwright had these pretty much the same dreams as the previous octopus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: which I found interesting, probably coincidental that yes. we talked about the Rose Garden a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about this. And the second front are more or less zombies. Yes. Um, and this is before zombies were a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, A man what, ahead of his time. So what happens is you get... Um, spined that Glackey itself has these huge metallic spines bristling all over its pudgy body. And it tags you with one. Mm-hmm. And if you get tagged, you become an extension of Glackey. Yes. A la Maker of Moons. It all comes together. It's all part of this plan that Rodney and I have. So... um. He has an army mm-hmm. of these, uh, these glacky zombies, right, under the lake with it, right, and, and in and, the trees, right, and they can only come out at night unless right. they're fresh. Mm-hmm. After a certain amount of time, um, after becoming a zombie, and you go out during the day, you dissolve into this green slimy. There's yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. The so green decay, decay, as it's right. called. So he sends um, these zombies out to get Cartwright. Mm hmm. So that Cartwright can become a zombie. It's kind of like this. This. uh lackey uses attrition. Right. He's um, got all the time in the world. So he just brings him in. Brings him in. Mm hmm.
1: Brings them into the fold. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that also the dreams and the, you, you almost become addicted to, to glacky itself through, through the dreams. It, it worms its way into your head. Right. And, and you become kind of, it, it attracts you to, to it. Um, Kind of like a like an angler fish, I suppose. It's dangling its bait out in front of you, and then and, and the
0: descriptions of the monster itself are very fishish. It's mm-hmm. roundish and ugly, right? Um, and it's got three eye stalks that kind of lurk above it, tentacled eye stalks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it does it does have that anglerfish kind of look, and behavior, really.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and the, the spines, it uses, you know, it, the sp- I think the spines are probably one of the most interesting features of the creature, being that they are organic metal. Which is an interesting thing. Yes, metal. Kind of like um, the of moons as well. Yeah. So, so you have, have you know, gold. And you have this, they, they stab you and part of Glacky's essence goes into the new, the, the body and you become somewhat of an automation. Right. It, it,
0: it looks like you, his will is your will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, depending on what needs to be done, there's different levels of control. But ultimately you answer the clock. I mean that's that's
1: it. Right. So pretty much, yeah. Campbell's original story is there to to lure you in, let you know what sort of universe the rest of the book is going to be playing in. Right. And so the second story on the list is Country Mouse City Mouse by Nick Mamatas. So we have we have some twins here. Now each of these authors have taken that original story, the original concept of Clacky, and put their own little spin on it, introducing new elements or interpreting elements in a certain way. Uh, you know, Nick goes through and he has twins Uh I guess we have to do this spoiler because this is this is the big thing. Can't spoil how it ends. But you have one twin who ends up getting possessed by Glocky and the other isn't. So there's a certain degree of that twin communication going on. That increases the one twins autonomy of sorts. And all of this set during the backdrop of a a, a riot, right? Um, now, is that made up for the story, Steve, or uh, no? I think it was actual riots that happened
0: in London. Hmm. Okay, um, but now the interesting thing is, I was reading the original story mm-hmm. as kind of um, using communism as the other. Okay. So but you know, just with, with losing your will to the to the whole, that kind of right, right. That kind of state. So interestingly enough, um Mamatas uses um, Glocky as a political figure as well. So um, Glocky is a metaphor for the Occupy movement or what, whatever the, the riders are. Well,
1: sort of kind of
0: sort of. I mean he he uses or it uses the rioters the whatever you want to call it because it wasn't occupying but it was, mm-hmm.
1: I think it was student riots right well he he uses the rioters because the the bankers and businessmen and whatnot kind of sucked at it right at, at, at the control that was his
0: that was his, uh,
1: his long term plan right.
0: was was Illuminati style taking over. Um, the, the heads of institutions, mm-hmm. and and infiltrating humanity that
1: way, but he got a shortcut, right
0: through, through the twins.
1: Right, he uh, Glocky himself has has a very is very patient, and is playing a long game at world domination. Very long game.
0: Yes, uh, which yeah. I suppose you, you get with. Other great old ones like Cthulhu, but that's an enforced long game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to wait till the stars are right, right. Till Alderborn is in the night sky, right. Stuff like very, that. And, and this very and very convoluted sort of thing. Right. And this is just more like this is a power set that Galaki has, mm-hmm. and this is how it has to deal with using that power set.
1: To, do its nefarious He's, bidding, he just waits. Yep. Like his anglerfish. Like, like like the an angler anglerfish. Fish. Like an anglerfish. Yep. Um. Yeah. So, what'd you think of Mamatasa's story overall?
0: Um. I like it. I I, I enjoy Mamatasa's writing. Mm-hmm. Um. And I I always game for for using um these things to subvert the uh the Lovecraftian oeuvre and invert it to uh, further my own political leanings. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. Uh, hard, uh, hard, to, hard to get into it without a ton of spoilers. But um, Yeah, this, this one isn't out yet, is it? No. It, this is coming out at the beginning of the year. You can pre-order it, okay. but it is not complete the
1: end. Okay, so yeah, we'll have to go light on the spoilers. Yes, and and
0: I mean the cool, the, the good thing about this is Mamatas um, he incorporates things like uh, transgenderism in here. One mm-hmm. of the, one of the characters is uh, transgendered one of the tw- uh, one of the twins. There you go. A well, that's like right. At the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, political movements and then he does he does a really good job um, showing the different scenes, the scenery, the London during the riots, and uh, the Severn Valley during the
1: stuff that happens there. Right, right. Very big contrast. Well, that?
0: and you know, he uses he he uses um, things like racism. As mm-hmm. as as excuses for why somebody does something,
1: you know, it's very rooted in modern concerns. Yes, yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah, it's it's very much a, a, a very updated telling of of the inhabitant of the lake. Um, uh, I liked it, but. I got a little bit confused because because they are twins and they do kind of share a mind, and I think Mamatas captures that really well because the transitions between characters they're very abrupt. Yeah, well, I don't I don't think they they seem that cut and dried. It's like one moment flows into the next moment.
0: Well, I, I mean, I guess
1: jarring is the right word. Yeah. As opposed to one. Abrupt. It's it's almost it's almost like you're writing in one twin's head, and then you're writing in the other twin's head, and it takes you a little while to figure that out that you made yeah. that switch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so that's that's a that was an interesting way to to tell that story, and you know, yeah, it's it's nice to see authors trying to fuck with the reader a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next up is uh, tribute band. Tribute band, John John Goodrich. Goodrich. Now yeah. I am going to uh say that I'm really you know we've come across these these rock and weird I like the rockin' weird yeah we've we've come across these stories in, in a couple of anthologies lately and I'm really surprised no one has latched on to that as a theme for an entire anthology. It's just like a rock and weird anthology. Um, but yeah, we have a we have a band um, who is a interestingly is a tribute band, right? To, to an
0: old cult band.
1: To an old not cult not like band.
0: well, cult as in as in uh, well both meanings of the word.
1: Little little known
0: but rabid fan base, right? Um, and they are, and the guys, the, the the people who are the main creative um, forces in the band are at odds with each other as mm-hmm. to where this band should go. Should they continue covering these songs, note for note, mm-hmm.
1: or should they a write original?
0: band too? that nobody has heard of, and they 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 do poorly. That the, the tribute band does poorly Mm -hmm. because if you're doing a a tribute band to a a tribute to a big band like Pink Floyd or Blue Oyster or Kiss or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of populations that's going to see you because you can't go and see Pink Floyd anymore. Right. Well, you you can now because they're getting back together. but, um, But a tribute band to... Badfinger, I'd write Badfinger out of my ass because I mean, how many Badfinger songs do you know? Right. None. You're not going to get a lot. You're not going to get a lot. So we have we have this conflict going. Guitar
1: player wants to write original songs and
0: live play the dream. bigger
1: venues and and put out records and right. Yeah, you know, and, the, the, the dream of musicians. Right, and the the singer wants to continue doing this
0: we for, you know, a little at a time. We're spreading the word of this band. I forgot what the name of the band. Oh, the Ghostwood Gnomes is the name of the band. We're spreading the word. He's, he's a devotee.
1: Yes. Greatest band in the world, the Ghostwood Gnomes. Right. No one has ever heard of that. Right. So, yeah, so... Then,
0: well, and and the story behind the, this—the Ghostwood Gnomes—is they they were on the cusp of success when they right. mysteriously
1: disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, the singer mysteriously disappeared.
0: Right. Well, the well, you know, as a band,
1: right? They were on the cusp and right at the, the height of their Popularity. approach to stardom. Right. Something happened, and the band fell apart. Right. So, and then the story unravels that mystery. Uh, so yeah, there's that uh, that kind of investigative side. Right. The two guys are like, "Hey, you know, things are going." The singer's mother dies. Right, the singer was a was a bit of a bit of a shut in. Yeah, bit of a <laughs> shut in. His mother dies. He's got to. He's got to go. Uh, you know, he's his world is falling apart around him, essentially. So his friend says, "Let's take a road trip." Right. We'll, we'll, and he
0: he says, "Yeah, sure, let's go and find out what happened to this man." We'll go to Jacksonville where it all went down.
1: We'll Jacksonville, <laughs> greatest city in the world, according to Ashley Wood. Ashley Wood. Yep. Now. Spoilers side, we can't I mean once they get to Jacksonville is when the actual meat of the story begins. Right. Yes. This is so, all
0: the setup. Once they get to Jacksonville, the shit hits the family. Find out what happened to this guy.
1: And it's it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Now there the interesting take on in this story is how music is used. Uh, in place of sorcery, right?
0: Which we've seen before. We've,
1: we've seen we've before seen
0: music as a substitution
1: for sorcery, right? Where notation and scales uh, takes the place of all these arcane formulae. Right. Usually, it's a Eric Zahn mm-hmm. kind
0: of a situation, but this is this is different. glacky um, just. Uh, a side note, Glackey has a cult following mm-hmm. in the original story. It was a very small cult and they they all disappeared. So right. what happens when you join the cult of a evil alien super fiend? Yes here. Yep. So and, and I will say that the cult of Glacky features heavily Mm-hmm. In, in the outcome of the story can't spoil it because really honestly it is a very good retelling of the Gla the original inhabitant of the lake
1: right from a from a rock and roll right standpoint and you know i love rock and roll man put another dime into your box. <laughs> so yeah i mean this was this was a great story too um but yeah, we can't really talk too more about it because we don't want to spoil it for, for
0: After any- here spoilers ahead. We'll just say that it ends on a blistering guitar solo in the middle of the swamp.
1: <laughs> as as most as all your best rock songs do. I did not like that. All right, so the next story on the list is Robert M. Price in Search of Lake Monsters. Now <clears throat> What we have here is a, a media circus going on. Uh, uh, another variation on on the inhabitant of the lake. Uh, we deal fun. with a. Go ahead.
0: Oh, it's kind of odd because um, Price brings in, and maybe this is in. This comes up later in Campbell's um, overarching Severn Valley thing. But mm-hmm. so we find out that there's a university, right, um, associated with this area, and this centers around a folklore professor who is being interviewed by um, it looks like a Discovery
1: Channel esque kind of expose, mm-hmm.
0: something monster. something
1: very similar to uh, I think there was a Nessie type, well, television yeah, like a or- river monsters or. In search of Bigfoot, that kind of sensational—it's science show. Yeah, like tabloid science.
0: Right.
1: Uh, I think uh, Price shouts out to um, Ancient Aliens and and shows like that.
0: And I think he mentions the
1: guy's hair. Yeah, yeah, which itself is an alien creature and a great old one. Right. And our president or our next president? Mm, No, different hair.
0: (laughs) Same species. Cheeto people. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> but um, it, it's so this, these guys are actually in search of Galactic.
1: Right. Whom oh. they whom they don't recognize as a cosmic horror from beyond the reaches of space. No, he's the local messi. It's it's Ogopogo, it's Nessie, it's right. the Jersey devil and, or uh Champ or any of these right. lake monsters that you right. read about around.
0: Urban urban legend. The, he even says it at one point, there's if there's a uh, lake, there's gonna be a lake monster.
1: Right. And that's pretty much true. Uh yeah, so yeah. I will
0: say that this university
1: may mm-hmm. have
0: the worst hiring policies, (laughs) (laughs) this side of of Miskatonic. (laughs) Because if if I were a university (laughs) in a town with a lake, I'd have a limnology department. Mm -hmm. And they would know every fucking thing about this lake ever. It would have been dredged, sonared, you know, you would know what plants, animals live in this lake because it's a resource Yes, is there. I went to the University of Wisconsin. We had five lakes in town. Two of them were on campus. <laughs> and they knew everything about these lakes. So How, however, of, however, interesting. Find Otis Redding's body in one of them. So, okay. I mean, there is that. They are big fucking lakes and you're not going to... I guess that's why you would have a mystery about a lake monster is because you can't know everything that's going on in there. right? But you can have some knowledge. And it looks like the only knowledge they have about this lake
1: is folklore knowledge. Well, you know, anybody who goes to look at this lake disappears. So it's like, you know, that that department used to exist. (laughs) But... (laughs) So 's gone right the exactly <laughs> so they, they they go out for a you know a class you know they, let's get some lab time out in the wild and <laughs> gone
0: but now that now I got the impression that everybody who disappears isn't a widely known fact it's known by the the police department mm-hmm. and this one folklorist.
1: right now but, yeah it's, it's but, one of those Town secrets.
0: Well, but like people,
1: like the uh, when
0: when they're when they're when they finally make it to the lake because they you know they got to go to the lake and film. Mm -hmm. When they finally make it to the lake, they discover all these new and strange animal life, Mm -hmm. and the the you know the biologists are like, oh my god, these are great. We don't even and even the the producer of the show says we don't even need Glacky. We've got all this. Right, you would think. That if there was a university there, they would have a cursory knowledge of that stuff. Well, these guys are new. <laughs> Recent <laughs> hires. You the know, university was only endowed in 1984.
1: So our, 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 right. our folklorist is the only tenured professor.
0: Well, there is another explanation. Okay. It was part of the Trump University
1: system. Oh, okay. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Movie right along. Uh-huh. All right. So next I'm we have. You know, so sorry so next we we the next story on the list is by an old friend of ours Peter be yep. uh, the collection of Gibson Flynn story So not for the weak of of not for the weak of heart, um, and there there is a character I think based upon Peter Rolick himself. I thought the same thing, and he, Peter he, he Rullick, appears.
0: You know, Peter Rolick is an avid, avid collector of weird fiction, and probably other fiction as well. But I do know he has an amazing collection of old, old um fiction collections. Well, mm-hmm. he's given them away on Friday Fungi, he's given them away on the uh easy chat. Mm-hmm. So he Peter has an encyclopedic knowledge
1: of weird fiction. Yes he does. And it it comes out in yeah. all of his fiction.
0: Yes, and it's it's especially funny in this. So the main character of this story is
1: a Mm-hmm.
0: Not necessarily weird fiction.
1: Right. He's a um, he's a bibliophile. Yes. Yeah.
0: I should say that I thought of this story as chicken little meets
1: SNF. Hmm. Yeah, I really don't want to spoil the the labors of Hercules here. <laughs> and and that's that's what it really kind of reminds me is that there's that uh weird kind of quest aspect to it. Right. It's oh I'll
0: get you if you, you want he wants to get a book and to get this book he has to go and pick up a few items for the mm-hmm. book seller. And he he it, it turns into this you go here and get this and do something to get it. And then you go there and get this and do something to get it and you have a
1: string of tasks. mm mm-hmm. Like a video game, or the labors of Hercules, or Chicken Little. Yeah, it, it, it becomes kind of this, you know, this almost odyssey, and <laughs> each task is harder mm-hmm. than than the previous one, right? And it becomes harder to read, right? Because because as as we are following this Gibson Flynn around, uh yeah. The tasks are more difficult for him, and it's more difficult for us to follow Gibson.
0: It's more and more
1: vile. I mean, it's yeah.
0: Call call a spade a spade. It's some vile shit, right? And I honestly, I didn't know Peter had it. <laughs>
1: oh, they'll surprise you. It's always well, the quiet I mean,
0: ones. Well, that's a, the thing is that I read a lot of Peter Rolick, a lot of his short stories. Pete always ends up. In in a lot of these collections, he's a very prolific prolific writer, mm-hmm. and he's good, so you know he's in demand. So he he ends up in a lot of these. So you end up reading a lot of Pete Browning, and um, I I honestly didn't know he had this in him.
1: <laughs> it is a, it is a bit of a surprise in a very different tone. Than- yeah, and it's I'm good. not
0: saying it's bad because I re- really really like this story. You mm-hmm. uh, know, it's got some. Funny fucking jokes in it too, and that's the other thing about Pete. If if you, he's, it's very esoteric right. humor. It's all his references aren't necessarily um, obvious. He doesn't go for the obvious reference. Mm-hmm. He goes for the reference that's a few layers
1: buried. Right. Yeah. So this is a this is a very good story. Um. Yeah, and. Once again, we can't go into further detail because that would spoil too much of this story. And this is one that you actually really need to actually experience. Yeah.
0: To, he does uh, have a funny... Some funny descriptions of the books and the people in the book swap. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, he has... It's funny because he has a... Um, he has a... Uh, a Campbell, SB, um, mm-hmm. Undercliff, and then he has a Lovecraft SB, which is Carter Randolph Carter. So duh, right. So, and, so he, I mean, in his own way, he also pays tribute to the people who he's borrowing from to get the story. And the
1: Correct. And he which, takes a shot at self-published authors. He does. <laughs> he takes a big shot at self-published authors. Um, and, and he takes a shot at these
0: things. He says, uh, weaving his way through the Friday morning crowds, Gibson dodged the rows of delusional self-published authors who cover, who's co- with cover art by three-year-olds, sidestepped chiropractors and clinical psychologists and their free informational booklets, turned a deaf ear to the pale college student in dreadlocks who wanted to tell him all about the government's vaccine conspiracy and skillfully danced through a boisterous retinue of Harry Krishna's we're pausing at the first actual book stall. Yeah. And really, you know, conventions like
1: that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Except for the Hare Krishnas. Well, it was Florida. Just yeah. Florida. No, there are Hare Christmas in Kingsville. That's true. but well, there's Hare Krishnas all over the place. Yeah. Very nice people, Hare Krishnas. Hey, when you're
0: broke in college or wherever, you can always get a meal at the Hare Krishna house. Mm-hmm.
1: That's this is true. Now, the yeah. quote-unquote sixth story in the table of contents is the uh, the revelations of Galaki uh, reconstituted and harvested. But it's really kind of the, the tail end of Pete's
0: story. Yeah, I think that is just a formatting error on the part of the um, arc that we have. Yeah. Uh, because if you look at the, the last thing in this collection is is Ramsey Campbell's impressions of, of the different stories, what you would normally find in an intro,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you have at the end, and it's he doesn't mention this. It, so it's... I'm guessing it's just a formatting issue that
1: would be corrected with the printed books. Okay, yeah. It did throw us off though. It threw me off just a little bit. I'm like, "Wait," I'm scratching my head. And yeah, like you said, it's it's probably just a formatting error in the digital copy. Yeah. Um, so after that, we have the secret painting of Thomas Cartwright by W.H. Pugmire. Willem. <sighs> Willem. Now, I have to say, Willem's writing is always beautiful. Always he,
0: beautiful. He is known as the foremost
1: of the modern Lovecraftian authors. Yes. And there's a good reason for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, secret painting takes the glocky um story and transfers it to pugmire's own Valley. right um which is stunning place uh you know i'm not as well read in pugmire as i really should be but i did get to chance to read the strange dark one absolutely gorgeous book
0: well and he uses his recurring
1: character Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Simon Gregory Williams, the Beast, uh, um, as a, as the protagonist in this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess my only my only caveat for this story would be I am not as familiar with Pugmire as I should be either, and the story is definitely fully entrenched in um, Pugmire's world. Right, and I feel that I, as a, as a reader, um, and it's you know it's it's my shortcoming. It's not Hugmeier's. Correct. Um, I'm not familiar enough to to get all of the continuity that I would be had I been familiar with it. It's very similar to um, like reading Ulysses and not being an Irish Catholic. Right. You can get a lot of it, but you ain't getting all of it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I think I think this particular story gives you what you need to know to enjoy this. No, story. it does. Um,
0: I just would rather have had um, the, the bigger experience that the people mm-hmm. in the circle of, of devout Pugmire readers would have. Well, I mean, it makes me want to go out and, and read more Pugmire.
1: Of course. So, um, so yeah. What? Uh, now we we discussed this earlier in the show that that each of these authors is bringing a new element into this um and Pug Myers is that Glocky is bigger in reality than even Campbell
0: thought just it's not just the one entity in a lake but Uh, Glocky is a... or It's described as an um, an Eidolon Mm -hmm. that can manifest itself through avatars in different lakes
1: around the world. Mm -hmm. Yep. So if you've got a lake, you're not safe. Especially if your lake is in the the, uh, Sesquil Valley. Right. Which, for those who aren't familiar with it, Sesquil Valley is... One of the other places in the world that where Earth touches the dreamlands. Right. So yeah. It's
0: well, he does describe it as once someone leaves the valley, their knowledge of the valley starts slipping away from them. Mm-hmm. So once again, you have this isolated community, and this is seems like it's magically isolated as opposed to Mm-hmm. Uh, physically isolated like that, right?
1: It's um, unplottable. Exactly. Williams Williams is the also the guardian of sesco Valley and keeps it hidden from the outside world. Which is the plot device that that opens up the story. Really, is that that's what he's there for? Right? Is he's heard of something that has been created, a painting by Cartwright, and Remember him. And yeah, and it reveals Sesco Valley, and he's like, No, 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 no. <laughs> we can't
0: be having that. You do not have the painting of my valley.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So apparently Cartwright had made a number of paintings of mm-hmm. of where Galockey
1: manifests. Yes, because Galockey was speaking through him through dreams. Right. And this and is one smart. of those places. Correct.
0: Yeah. So he acquires
1: the painting, mm-hmm. and then we and, get this <laughs> Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's a, another good one here. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah. 20- I
0: mean, like the whole point of the thing is that mm, I can't. You know, going beyond that setup, yep. it, it 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 gives it away.
1: Yeah. And really, you got to read this for yourself. Same same goes holds true for all of these stories, and and. Yeah.
0: Like, but I feel like like we're stopped short on this one because once you get that set up that there's a painting and uh, Williams is trying to get it mm-hmm. to protect the valley. After that, anything you say after that is
1: really a major spoiler for the story. Right. And and this one is one of the shorter of the stories so far. It's very efficient. right? And, yeah. So, the next story on the list is I Want to Break Free by Edward Morris. Named after the Queen song. Yes, and it it certainly was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, uh, basically, we have this yeah, I, I guess in the story they set it up as like a blog or a vlog or something.
0: Well, it's like a guy uh, who was, a, who was uh, living, living in the Severn River Valley mm-hmm. um, who has had an encounter as a child mm-hmm. with blocky, And he is currently um, incarcerated well, against because of do harm to himself or others. So he's in a mental
1: institution. Right. And this is kind of his ramblings about how he got there. Right. And, and of course, the doctors let him do this because this is therapeutic it's for him.
0: Very therapeutic. It's written very stream of consciousness, um, which I, I enjoy that style.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it, it you definitely need to pay more attention to that to see what's going on. And mm-hmm. I liked it because it had that Despite the fact that it was stream of consciousness, it still had that folksy oral history feel to it, mm-hmm. where um, the protagonist would describe um, what he, him and his buddies were up to when they were kids, and he'd pull out nicknames and references that that you would when you were talking about these kinds of things. Right. So it 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 lent itself to um, authentic, authenticating the narrative. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and a lot of uh, slang as well. Right.
0: This is the first one where you,
1: well, Pete's a little bit, but this
0: is really the first one where you get some um, outright Lovecraft name dropping in here as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you get Shubby and Fungi from yoga are mentioned in here, right. which which brings brings the Lackey thing into the Wider realm of Lovecraftian
1: fiction, which Yogoth so, is not Pluto because uh, <laughs> Pluto has been downgraded, so it's still the ninth planet. Yogoth.
0: Well, just because our
1: scientists can't classify things right doesn't mean. Well, that it, 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 the says that in, it says that in the story is that you know Yogoth and Pluto are not the same one. Right. Um, yeah, I mean. For me, this one was probably the the one that didn't take for me. You know, it'll probably take a couple more readings of it before all the little bits and bobs uh, catch in my mind.
0: He mentions
1: uh, that one of his friends was a
0: Geordie, and uh, I have a a a guy used to work with was a Geordie. Yeah, Geordie's a guy uh, like from Newcastle, so not quite. Scottish, but close
1: enough for rock people. Right on. No, <laughs> right, yeah, and and really, like I said, it didn't really. This one didn't stick with me on the first read, so I'll have to give it another another couple goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one is just. Yeah, it's 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 historical, like you said. It's got that that oral history, that folksy kind of tradition. You know, this local guy telling the story,
0: right? And and it's
1: it's a lot. You know, it's basically uh, the, it's
0: a bunch of kids who are friends who go take the dare to spend the night in the haunted house. Mm-hmm. The haunted house just happens to be one of the cabins on the lake, right? And hilarity ensues. Yes. So if if there is a haunt, a cabin in your town on a lake that is abandoned, and that is the place where the kids say, I bet you can't spend the night, that's, don't do it. Don't do it. That's the takeaway. Don't spend the night there. Don't spend the night there. Unless you want to be an extension of black.
1: Don't buy the haunted house. Um, Do not undertake uh, Herculean tasks from strange book dealers. (laughs) There's a whole list of things not to do. Right. Well,
0: hey, don't research strange
1: organic metals. This is true. Coming up for a segue there The Spike by Scott R. Jones, another friend of the show. Scott is
0: a friend of the show, and it's once again, it's always a pleasure reading something he's written because Scott has a, I think Scott has a fairly unique point of view when it comes to mm-hmm. this stuff.
1: Yes, uh, he's he's been. This particular story is is big change, very refreshing. All the other stories are are traditional, weird narratives, right? Uh, Scott likes to go this science fiction transhumanist route. Yes. And it's very, very interesting and we get a character um, who, as you said, is very Bond villain-esque.
0: Yeah, he's like a Bond villain. He's a mad scientist and it says it, I mean, it's right there. It's, it, the guy's name is Tusk. Right. This and the name of his, his company by chance is Eidolon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a big fan of, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Fairabend, mm-hmm. whose thing was, um, he, it's a rejection of the monolithic methodology in science. That's right. So, so what we have is... Basically, you have a mad scientist. Right. I'm,
1: and the guy and is a gentleman who goes to, to work the, for the mad scientist,
0: is willing to eschew the traditional scientific method
1: if it will get him
0: results. Mm-hmm.
1: And also the he, he issues methods of research. He wants all of his employees to Cross share knowledge. Yes. And it, it said that he is very into open source science.
0: Which mm-hmm. really makes the guy
1: sign a non disclosed later right. on, which I thought was hilarious. Actually the sec that's the second one he has to sign. When you start working for the company, you have an NDA as well.
0: Right, But now that's the thing is it's open source to a point. Mm-hmm.
1: It's open source but the company itself is very secretive. Right. Um, and it's these guys an open source Not at all. These guys, it is almost feels like it's the prequel to his story in Return of the Old Ones. You like what it like Eidolon of- is the Cyberdyne of Scott's universe. Well,
0: it, it kind of reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Homer works for, goes to work for Scorpio mm-hmm. and and it turns out that Scorpio is basically a bomb villain. <laughs> <laughs> and he see's it's a great place to work. Except for what they're actually doing.
1: <laughs> right. And that's the, the premise of the story. Um now he does put a little bit of a twist in there uh, that that gives Tusk his Bond villainesque, uh, right?
0: work. To me, the real strength of this story mm-hmm. is that we we talked about this in the beginning that Glacky is very scaled down mm-hmm. and very personal. So yes, you go to the lake and it's you and maybe a friend or two who are confronting or confronted by the situation that is blocking in the lake right it's not that big scale that you get with with Cthulhu or or uh, any I love the tip. not or, or any of them really mm-hmm. Scott has managed in a believable way to make that local threat to be more global mm-hmm can't go into it without giving it away, but it's it's a it's a very clever way to make Glocky more of a uh, universal menace, mm. as far as people are concerned, um, as opposed to
1: the the attrition that you see in the other stories. Right, and you know Scott in his career. Continues to make a fan out of me, and not to disrespect any of the other authors in this anthology, but this story alone is worth the book. Yes. Um, yeah. Now,
0: now, um, back back when we were young, naive assholes instead of the old
1: jaded assholes,
0: assholes that we are now. Um, when we were at Necronomicon, Scott was met Campbell. I think they were mm-hmm. on a panel together, and mm-hmm. Campbell had read one of his stories and basically gave Scott's blessing, mm-hmm. more or less. I mean, right. he he said Ramsey said that uh, Scott Jones's prose was brilliant. I don't have the exact quote, but he he was very very open with his praise of Scott's work. Right. So it's very nice to see that Scott is is taking that praise and running with it. Mm-hmm as opposed to resting on his laurels and patting himself on the back. Oh, he
1: was giddy as a schoolboy. Oh, he
0: totally was. But, I mean, <laughs> you get over that, and then you get to work.
1: Yeah. Well, he was giddy as a schoolboy being included in this anthology as well. Yes, he was.
0: It's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to read this anthology mm-hmm. was because I knew Scott had a story in it, and I knew that Scott was... was Getting high praise from Ramsey Candle himself, so that—that that. Right. for what it's worth, Scott,
1: I blame you. All right, so enough gushing about Scott Jones.
0: That's Scott Jones,
1: <laughs> author of such a book. <laughs> got
0: something. On <laughs> that my yeah well that has been that color since um, Resonator came out
1: really yeah now um, the next story on the list is the Dawning of His Dreams now uh, I particularly like this story because it not only does it pay tribute to to Glocky and and Ramsey Campbell but in my mind it's a little nod to my particular favorite love crab story from beyond with our jellyfish people. So yeah, this is kind of like kind of a little squee moment for me at the beginning because that's, that, that's my favorite monster is the, the just the weird one that doesn't really do all that much. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah, I liked this one because, because of the, um, the focus on something not human, right? And so we're 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 brought along. This is kind of an origin story, a, a, a prequel to the inhabitant of the lake, it, if you it, will.
0: It reminded me of *The Silmarillion. Hmm.
1: Um.
0: Mainly because it, 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 be, for those of you who haven't read *The Silmarillion, shame on you if you haven't. Um. the, the very first part of it. Talks about the music of the universe is being played. And mm-hmm. uh, Melkor, who is the you know the first of the Dark Ones in Tolkien's universe, um, steps in and adds a note of discord. Right. And that's when things get interesting. Mm-hmm. Is when you have this discord. It's it's the equivalent of adding evil into the world. It's the snake in the garden, blah blah blah. It's just it's striking because it's music. Mm-hmm. And this you kind of have the same thing. It's not as grand. It's not the creation of the universe. But these these uh, jellyfish people communicate and live in a world of harmonious colors. Mm-hmm. And when they encounter the big G, because at this point, he is kind of scaled up in this story. Right, yes. yes. Um, or it. She actually refers to Gladby as He, so I will for this story. Um, he adds a discordant color mm-hmm. into the mix, which struck me very much as um, how the simian
1: was. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as a result, things, things are brought into this this beautiful world of colors and, and and peace and harmony, and then you get this, like you said, the, the note of discord or the clashing color. I guess you could call it, and you know, things kind of spiral down from there,
0: right? And it, it's funny because it starts out where it gets interesting for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they start to become civilized, they start to mm-hmm. differentiate themselves, and they they realize that they're mortal, mm-hmm. and they for a while it almost benefits them Mm -hmm. Um, because you you come from a place of stagnation, Mm -hmm. beautiful stagnation, but stagnation through change. And unfortunately, uh, there's too much change. It's too fast and the jellyfish people can't handle it. Right. And you end up with... uh, the utter destruction of the jellyfish
1: <laughs>
0: which is not a spoiler because the spoiler has
1: happened later right yeah and and I just really liked it because because of the perspective it shifted um, and you know as you said you, you it's this almost mythic type of story
0: right it's very it's
1: more of a cosmic scale mm-hmm
0: than in any of the other stories that have been before. Um, right. I half expected, at one point, for there to be a full-on Green Lantern Corps alert mm-hmm. to uh, defend the civilization against Glacky because it's got that kind of Green Lantern vibe to it. Right. Like a Green Lantern
1: Corps, not necessarily just a Green Lantern Corps. Right. Kilowog versus Glacky.
0: Well, it would be like... Uh, uh, arm of the core would come in mm-hmm.
1: and then get their asses handed to them. But sadly, because this is mythos, Lovecraftian style fiction, okay. there are no Green Lantern Corps to save you. Danny O'Neill would do it. <laughs> Still, another great story here. Uh, the final story we're going to look at tonight is "The Lakeside Cottages" by William Meekle. and I hope I just pronounced that correctly. We probably mispronounced his name in in uh, the last one too. I probably There's did. A story in there as well. I think I pronounced it the same.
0: Well, that's at least we're consistent.
1: Yeah. Um, and this is a this is Carnacki the, the Ghostfinder versus Glocky. So you know you get a you get a little bit of. Um, crossover here, which is which is interesting. It it also stands out from the rest of the stories be, because of what it is. And, you know, it's Karnacki, so... It's know, basically Jacques
0: Constantine yeah. versus Blackie. <laughs> A little bit more upper-class Jacques Constantine.
1: Not quite and as And as polite. In the gutter.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, this is... This is a great story. It's written in the style of the Karnacki stories, where mm-hmm. he's recounting it over at a dinner party. Right. So you know he makes it, right? You know, you know he lives from the get go. So that's not a spoiler. Karnacki always lives, right. um, You know, and they bring in elements of the Karnacki stories, like the electric pentacle and stuff like that, and basically. You know, it's it's his investigation into a possession.
0: Well, i it's, it's, it's an occult detective story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot you can say about it that doesn't spoil it, right? Um, now, I will. Well, I can't really say that either because that's a spoiler. But you know, it it goes along with the the. Detective style narration, and we get our inevitable confrontation.
0: Well, if you're if you read that genre, the occult detective genre, <laughs> Constantine, Carnegie, or even like um, some of the weirder Sherlock Holmes pastiches, uh, or or Judge D, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know kind of what you're in store for, right. So I mean, you get a lot of of a. Uh, I'm going to do this to counteract that, mm-hmm. and when that fails, we'll do something else. So it, it's got that that kind right. of feel to it. Mm-hmm.
1: And and it was actually the the perfect story to you know end not this this session of reading because. Right. Because it does end on that high note, you know, Karnaki survives. You know, he survives from the beginning, right? But no, it's not necessarily
0: a happy note.
1: No, no, it's it's kind of a pirate victory, right? But uh, yeah, can't really discuss how it's a pirate victory because we want you to possible. we want you to buy the book. We want you to buy the book. Um, yeah, oh, I mean, read the book. so yeah, so far this 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 has been a, a pretty decent. Um, decent anthology i wasn't sure going into it that i was going to end up in the positive space that i was because i am a little burned out on on the mythos
0: but it's a lot less well well a lot less depressing and and despairing as the mythos is and like, like i was saying before it's because of the scale because this is so much more personal horror. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't want to say that it's like a, a werewolf or a or, or the mummy or something, but it's more along that scale where mm-hmm. um, it is something you confront, right, and directly, right, as opposed and to waking up with nightmares or or. In the case of Return of the Old Ones, wanting to go and build a pillow fort and live in it for a week. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more accessible mm-hmm. uh, to the, to the greater public than something like Return of the Old Ones was. Cause Return of the Old Ones is fucking hardcore. Right. Um, uh, Saint, and they were both, they both were, uh, or they will be both published at the same time. They were both part of the same crowdfunding mm-hmm. um, campaign to get yeah. funded. So they're the same editors, so they're very, very related. But whereas the Old Ones is just hardcore beating you down. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is lighthearted, but this is more... Accessible. You can read a few in a row, and not want to put the gun in your mouth.
1: Right. Exactly. My thoughts. Exactly. I mean, this is this is you know, and and so and a lot of these stories so far have have been fun in their own way, and for me, that's that's what reading this stuff is all about is is having fun. Right. Oh yeah. Um, you know. And yeah. So, next week we'll be doing the second half. Part two. Part two. So join us then. It'll be next Saturday night, 9.30 Eastern Time. Um, Monday night we will be doing your turkey sandwiches. Death and watch us. Yeah, turkey day is coming up on Thursday. You can have your cold turkey sandwiches and hear us talk about the fumble around with the second half because we can't spoil anything.
0: That's right. The Uh, next one we do will be something that's been out for a little while so we can spoil the shit out of it. Right.
1: Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Next Saturday, we'll be doing the second half of uh, Children of Clacky. Tribute to Ramsey Campbell's great old one. Monday night, we'll be doing Mass Mass, Nile Hulk Cthulhu edition. And uh, Friday fun guy will be back. I believe they're still in the weird, weird West. And uh, until then, say goodnight, night, Gracie.